everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy News is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casello, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy, uh, we, we're, we're farther away from the football <laughs> team that we, than we usually are <laughs> week, I guess. Happy, happy Tulane's almost ranked week. Yes. Happy Tulane should be ranked week. Yeah, uh, Tulane was 26th out of uh, 25 in the AP poll. I didn't see what it was in the coaches. Um, I know in Fan Pulse, the uh, SB Nation poll, uh, the Syracuse ballot actually has Tulane at number 25. So we've, we've done our jobs here. We changed hearts and yes. minds. Yes, and it proves, if anything, that enough people who vote in that poll listen to this podcast to make a difference. I feel like everyone that votes in that poll listens to this podcast. There's a decent chance. If, 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 we're being, yeah, if we're being pure, if we're being completely honest with us, with ourselves. Yeah, no, I, it, I would assume if you're in that poll, there's a decent chance you are tuning in for our 45 to an hour every week and enjoying our two-lane nonsense and probably not enjoying uh, our Syracuse nonsense. But that's not really our fault. That's uh, the team. The team didn't do well on Thursday. No, well, they didn't do well for like three and a half quarters and then suddenly well, decided to wake up. The defense did well for a lot of the game. The offense did not yeah. do well for three and a half quarters. Although the defense, that's the thing, is I feel like I feel like the numbers, or at least what I what my eyes saw indicated that the defense did worse than they actually did. What my eyes but then the numbers indicate that the offense did did better than they actually did. Uh, the the raw stat numbers, but like even so, like three hundred forty one yes. yards total is not great. Um the numbers no. which we were just talking about off air, um DeVito's numbers look a lot better than I think anyone who watched the game would say they should. Um, I actually didn't even realize the rushing attack was as like non-existent as it was until looking at the numbers afterwards. We we managed we 41 really, rushing yards. We haven't really done much on the ground at all this year, but in particular, like the last few games, like we're a very, very predictable offense to the point where you know DeVito's dropping back. Like there's and part of it's the play calling, I think. Um, you know, Mike Lynch and Dino Babers are both sitting there going like, all right, like our quarterback needs more confidence. Um, and also our offensive line is, has been hot garbage for, for portions. And, and that's led to, you know, a, a run game that's not really working. But what I do feel like is different this year versus previous years is I feel like in like 2016, 2017, we had an ineffective rushing attack, but we would still try it and, and continue kind of pounding at teams. Uh, to try to set up the pass while I feel like this year we're just abandoning it very quickly, even in games that we're like in. Um, and, and it, and I think that's what's, that's what's leading to a lot of these like questionable decisions. And, you know, like Tommy DeVito went like 29 to 39 for 300 yards and a touchdown. And I, I, I've, I've never been so surprised by a final stat line by a quarterback in my entire life. Um, I asked my dad who was at the game with me, um, what he thought DeVito's line was on the game, um, blind. And he said eight for 20, 108 yards. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone knows what they watched in, in, in that contest. I think anyone who did watch uh, will tell you that almost all of DeVito's stats came in like the final two minutes of the second quarter and uh, the final half of the fourth quarter. That still seems like a lot, though, even for that sort of uh, production or lack thereof. I yeah, also I mean- like see him on pace his pass for more yards than Dungy ever did at Syracuse, which is still stupid to me. Part of that's that Dungy ne- like never of played. Course. I mean, last year he played a full season almost, like, but he even then missed like most of two games. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's the rush thing's tough because we weren't so far behind where you have to abandon the run. Like it was a it wasn't a necessity thing, but we do like get away from it pretty quickly. And a lot of that is the offensive line just getting blown up. But you know, when you're only down a touchdown or or you know a top 10 points or so like and there's plenty of time left you can try to open things up especially once you get that uh screen game going which was really like the only thing that ended up being super effective during the game um and that's really i think where you saw devito really rack up those numbers is late we finally were able to get like the pace going and the screens were i mean nc state wasn't pressuring at the line of scrimmage um for one reason or another and they were letting us kind of just move the ball that way and and you know devito looked good in that part of the game the problem was uh, throughout the rest of the game, they're just he, you know, just wasn't making things happen. Uh, the play calling, I do think, has been suspect in some of these trouble spots this year. Um, I don't know how much of it's Babers, how much of it's Lynch. Um, it was interesting to see those two have kind of a brush up on the sideline during the game. Uh, I don't remember seeing it on TV, but I saw a bunch of tweets about it from people at the game that they were like kind of getting into it uh, in the, th- the third quarter, I believe. Um, so yeah, I think there are definitely some things that worked out here. Obviously, the offensive line is is the most glaring thing possible. Um, I think it's leading to issues both like with DeVito getting sacked uh, and and taking pressure. But I think Tommy's just doesn't have the great pocket presence yet. So even on plays where he doesn't really face pressure, um, the, la- the the fact that he's being pressured during the game is then like just t- throwing his timing way off. Um, and I, I, I tweeted about this after the game. I just really think he, he has a, a huge struggle when he's forced to go to his second or third option or He's uh, just not, like, taking the snap and then making a play happen. Like, once he has to to try to read a defense and make something happen, it just it's a real struggle. But if he just has his first read on, like, the screen, or even if he's going down the field because he knows where he's going with the ball and he sees single coverage and makes the throw, then he's a lot better. Um, but that's an issue when you have, you know, when you're the starting quarterback of a, a dynamic offense, you need to be able to go to that second or third option and make a play over the middle. And, and that just hasn't been there for him this year. And it was really evident uh, – against NC State. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, this is a very winnable game. It's very uh, unfortunate and, you know, dispiriting that we weren't able to put up more than 10 points. Um, But it's just, you know, the issues that we've seen all year have been compounded. It's not like really a mystery as to why we were only able to score 10 points, even if the, the passing numbers look a little better than that. Yeah, I mean, you brought up some interesting stuff with DeVito. I think he's... I think he, he's he's clearly got an upper body injury that seems like a shoulder, potentially, because you're definitely not seeing him try a lot of deep balls. Uh, there were several uh, receivers downfield that he didn't even like look to. Um, he definitely created his own pressure at times and like held on to the ball too long. Um, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that one of those plays was well. One of those plays was the, the final sack, um, but at the same time, he was definitely like under duress. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that. I, I just think that like it was it was just so disheartening to see things that were thing things were there for him, but he couldn't make it happen. Um, there were throws there for him that he couldn't make. Um, I don't think that that Tommy lacks for ability or talent. Um, what he lacks for right now is potentially just some um, ability to run this offense at tempo and some ability to you know make split second decisions and. I guess lucky for him and maybe lucky for us is that sort of thing comes with time. I mean, if you, I bet if people like pulled out, you know, some, uh, some Eric Dungy, like sophomore year tape um, in this offense, I bet they wouldn't love everything they saw. Um, I bet they'd be disturbed by some things they saw. Um, 
Tommy, Tommy doesn't have the, the instinctual ability to just kind of like turn a play on a dime um, the way that Dungy did. But when you think about it, like until his senior year, how Dungy did that was almost entirely through his legs um, until, yeah, again, until his senior year when he you know started to be able to do a few more things through the air. I, I think that this offense is being held back, though, by some sort of play calling, whether that's because of the offensive line or that's because of just how plays are being called. Like to see the amount of punts that we've seen, the amount of settling for field goals that we've seen, um, it just shows that like either the play calling is uninspired or Babers and Lynch are really uninspired by this offensive line. Uh, I'm, it, it just seems like we're going overly conservative when we can't go a tempo. When like when we ran a tempo, um, like we were we were shredding up NC State's defense very quickly. Um, we, we were we were looking like this offense is supposed to. I just feel like unfortunately, more often than not, we are we are relegated to a much slower pace, and and that's made this offense predictable because you know as we know, like the the complicated part of this offense isn't um, the play construction or anything like that. The complicated part is is the tempo. That that that's the key that that gets this thing off the ground. And the way it's going right now, um, we have a like you know seven to ten play offense that's running at an average speed, and that makes it very very easy to stop. Yeah, I think all the issues kind of compound on themselves. Like it's hard to get the tempo going if your running attack is only picking up one or two yards. Like it's hard to go to tempo when you're behind schedule on your drives almost every time, especially in the first quarter. Um, and that was definitely the case with NC State. Like early on, we, when we were trying to establish the run, you know, when you're facing second and eights and third and sevens all the time, it makes it very hard to go fast. And you're not picking up first downs and you're punting and drives are only lasting a minute 20. Um, we've seen that a lot this year uh, where we haven't seen it in years past or last year, really, uh, when the offensive line was better and the running attack was overall better. And obviously you have the dungeon component, which helps. Um, but then also... Uh, it, it makes for more difficult plays for DeVito to convert. And uh, I thought like it was interesting um, and it kind of plays into what we've been talking about that like when the offense looked at the best was when they were, you know, put up against the clock and then they had to go fast no matter what. And I almost think it kind of takes some of the, the thought process out of DeVito's head um, where he doesn't have to worry as much about making the best possible play. He's just like, gain yards go snap it gain yards and you saw him running more even though obviously he is banged up like he was he was being a little more aggressive uh taking the yards in front of him like Dungy would do (laughs) yes um but i thought that did that a component and then i don't know i i just i wonder if there's something to like simplifying this and just trying to you know it does these like middling acc opponents like like pit this week nc state last week most of the rest of the schedule um i just think that we can get away with being uh, a little more like let's just do what we know works try to mitigate the offensive line struggles which which uh i think is helped by the shorter passes the screen game and then if if they stop it then we'll we'll figure it out but um honestly like i don't have enough faith in a lot of these acc programs to say that like they're definitely gonna be able to stop us just going fast and trying to figure it out like on the fly versus trying to get like the best possible version of this offense, because I don't think that's possible with how the offensive line is played. Yeah, I completely agree there. I, I think there's definitely some factors in the ACC that, that help us out. Um, I think that to be honest, like the injuries and, and knowing that the effect that those have had um, help us out because I feel like we haven't been at hundred percent all season um, between the absence of McKinley Williams, which again, we talk about every week is a huge part of this um, not having Andre Cisco and Afitu Malafanwu out there. Um, it's another thing that 
you know, kind of goes underreported. Uh, Sam Heckel's absence. I don't think Sam Heckel's absence has a huge effect in terms of uh, the offensive line's overall effectiveness. I think the offensive line looked bad when when Heckel was in um, against Liberty, even which is disconcerting. But I, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think there's got to be some sort of adjustment. Like uh, w- one of the common uh, refrains I see from the anti-Babers crowd, not anti-Babers anymore, but just like the negative toward Babers crowd is that he doesn't make adjustments very easily or very quickly. And I kind of defended against that uh, to this point. I don't necessarily think I can this season because I do feel like very little is adjusted. Um, we, we will see a, a you know tempo breakout and suddenly disappear again. Uh, we'll see one thing happen that seemed to exploit a weakness in defense and then it's figured out. And then there's never another like thing to exploit the defense. Um, in this game, like, you know, you can, you, you can point to fingers at, at refs, but I wouldn't point to them for the loss. Um, there were a lot of throws missed. There were a lot of blocks missed, uh, that there were, there, there was just a lack of execution on offense that just, you know, it was too little too late. And I, I think, you know, NC state shit and Syracuse shit, uh, TM on both were, uh, were, were vying for control of this game at the end. And it just so happened that, uh, that Syracuse shit won, uh, in, in those final minutes. Yeah, uh, uh, hey, the refs, the refs abs- need to call something on the DeVito hit. Like, the the after the whistle was dead oh, for, like, absolutely. a full second. Insane. Like, just unbelievable that not, in, in this era of football where we're, like, very much pro keeping players healthy, and a lot of that is geared towards the quarterbacks who, when they get hit illegally, it's very obvious because everyone's looking at them. Um, the fact that that didn't get called it, when it was borderline helmet, it was, like, a borderline targeting play and it was like a full second after the whistle was. But I thought that's what they there. were reviewing. Yeah, and then what they, they were didn't, reviewing they didn't what? Even something review completely it. different. They were reviewing the time. They were right the, the, clock. the clock, which is they just, put like an extra second on. It's like, oh, thanks. Every I was talking to NC State fans on the way out of that game, and everybody said the same thing. That like it was just one of the most bonkers like go ACC games that anyone's ever seen because of just how stupid everything about the game was. Like we, we had, again, this NC State fans sharing the exact same sentiment as the rest of us. That like this was just incredibly stupid, start to finish. Both teams were dumb, and one team was just like less dumb than the other at the end. But the refs had had a place in this one, um, as all go ACC games always do. Um, and it, it was it was a frustrating display to watch. And I hope to never see a football game like this again. Oh, we will though, because oh, I know oh, I know we will because <laughs> who's, who's we might we might on Friday. <laughs> Syracuse Pitt is always ripe for uh for, for a go ACC moment. This was like really like the first. We've had some dumb games. This was like the first real like go ACC game though. Like that that because because the recipe for a go ACC game is always like questionable officiating crew, um, questionable missed or called thing in, in a key moment, um, prime time when it didn't deserve to be. So that's that that could be Friday, Saturday, or Thursday. Um, all all check check and check. Um, having a North Carolina team involved is almost always the case. Uh, so we, we checked a lot of boxes here and it was, uh, yeah, it was still appalling to watch. And I, I just felt better at leaving the stadium knowing that all the NC state fans felt the same way. Yeah. I mean, if you're state, you can't feel great about that. Cause Syracuse played awful, awful football for most of the game and they won by six and they were very lucky to do so. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, not to like dig in on state, like they're foreign too good for them, but like state is not a very good football team. That it just makes like trash the loss worse. Game. Yeah, they're not good. Um, we're not very good either at this point. But uh, like, it just was It was not a good. It was not a a, a a game that the ACC should be proud about showing on its Thursday night. Um, 
I, I didn't watch Virginia uh, Miami the next night. I don't know if that was any better, but like I have to imagine it was. Um, yeah, so a lot just, of people it, tweeting about it. I was just kind of, admittedly, like it was the first weekend in a long time. Like I kind of just like avoided football for the rest of the weekend. Like I watched Texas and Oklahoma while I was still in North Carolina. Um, I watched some of Alabama, Texas A&M at the airport before I left Raleigh. And then, like, I didn't even get to watch a second of, of LSU Florida, which bums me. That's out. too bad. LSU Florida was a blast. But. I know I wanted to watch that game, but uh, I was on I was on uh, American. They didn't have live TV. Yeah, uh, that's annoying. But, but yeah, nonetheless, though, yeah, like I, I, it was the first time I really like just really checked out. <laughs> I was just like, I, I, you know, I just need a weekend without football here. Like, I just, I know I had one the week before, but I did watch plenty of it, even without Syracuse. But this was like the first weekend, like in a while, that I was kind of like. Yeah, I think I think me and football need to like take a break. <laughs> Decided to do some other things this weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna go see um, some other people, and, and then we'll come back football. I promise. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're ripe for like the actual season to start heating up. This was the first one of the first like really good weekends of college football this year um, overall. But sorry that you missed it. But I guess you know sometimes you just need a break. Um, yeah, it's just this this pit game. It, it's just tough to know what to make of it because it, I feel like you know, we're kind of spinning our wheels and like things aren't totally like off the, off the reservation yet. And they're going to be, if we lose this game, if we lose this game, it's a very worrisome. Um, I could totally see this being a year where like every game, we just get like a slightly different outcome. But um, like Narduzzi was kind of very like open, weirdly open about uh, how Syracuse, like the struggles that he's seen out of our team and like the strategies that he's seen implemented and whatnot. Um, I almost feel better that he seemed like super op- more optimistic than coaches usually are uh, during his press conference uh, or his uh, whatever the, I think it was might've been the phone conference today or whatever that yeah. was. That was like the media, um, yeah, they canceled the coach's press conference. Now just the like local press conference. Right. I, wherever the, that readout was from, I just saw in our Slack um, because I don't think Pitt's like, I mean, Pitt's had a better year than us, but I don't think they're great either. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't tell if it's going to be like a year where it's just disappointing like all the time or if we're just going to like piece together a couple of wins, kind of like 20, uh, 2013, because like no one's that good and no one can like consistently be counted upon. And I guess like if that's the case, you'll just kind of sign for it and, and try to do better next year. But uh, yeah, like if we lose this weekend, I'm going to start to like actually worried about missing a bowl. Yeah, I mean, without we'll get to the pit game in the second half here. Um, but in the like, what like looking at what's left, I figure just pull up the schedule. Um, now that we're going to predict everything, but like, I see like Louisville's turning a corner. They're not like good, but they're turning a corner. They're a lot better and, than and we thought like, they would be. They're a lot better than they thought we'd be. I think Wake's defense is phenomenally bad, though, and I feel like we just haven't seen like that in action until that week. And I feel like that is some, I feel like the Deacons defense has been figured out now. Um, I think Duke's better than we thought initially. And you and I both picked that as an upset loss. Um, yeah. Duke's like like, Duke might be the worse. second best team of the conference. Yeah. Like Duke's very good. Um, if I had to like pick wins, I think, I think we have to win at least two of Pitt, BC and Louisville. Because if you don't, I think you're in real. I think you're in real danger of a missing a ball game. Yeah, like it, it's the lucky thing is like there's no like defined pathway to six wins here because you can win again. I still think you can win any of these games, including Florida State, who looked 
awful, awful against Clemson this weekend. And I know Clemson does that to teams, but like, I even think we competed better with Clemson than Florida State did, even if the stores were like, you know, they weren't totally different. But um, obviously, our Clemson team had kind of weird circumstances that made the store what it was. Um, but like, BC hasn't looked good. I think that's probably BC might be like the the most winnable team of these last six. Weirdly. Um, Duke, Wake, I think are both tough for different reasons. I think Duke is better. Louisville, uh, the problem is I think they're just not keeping any better all year. Florida State is a mess, but they're like, and they are better than they were last year, but we're worse. So like, I still think you can win any of these games, but it, I don't think, you know, you can't count on any of them because they're like, it's just this jumble of ACC teams and there's no real, there's nothing really standing out except for Clemson. Um now, I think, you know, a lot of it, if we don't get any better on the offensive line, though, I really don't can't count on us winning three of these six. Like, I think that's just enough of a thing to exploit, and we just haven't been able to it, – it just hasn't gotten better week to week at all this year, which is just disconcerting. Like, we've had years past where the offensive line started really poorly and, like, got marginally better, and, like, it made a difference. This year, we just haven't seen that at all, and I think that's just going to continue to be the linchpin. Because even if DeVito continues to improve and, like, really becomes like a takes a big step forward and becomes a more confident player like that will help and that'll probably win us a game or two but if he's gonna get sacked you know six or seven times a game and feel pressure the whole time it's it's going to be hard to overcome yeah i mean this is why i'm kind of circling bit like pit and bc in particular as like because i do feel like like the acc is so random if you win those two games um you can figure out something in one of the other you know, four. I just think this is what what makes this year weird. And you kind of alluded to it. Like we're not seeing improvement. We're actually seeing like the same team kind of go out there every week and struggle with the same things and not really change anything. And you're starting to see like the coaching staff a little bristly about it. Like this is what's concerning me is like, there's, there's all these like factors that like, if we weren't so close to the team, we probably wouldn't be brushing off as much as like, these are harbingers of like, this is almost like a look ahead season. It, it feels like uh, of, you know, like there's a lot of pieces that can come together next year. And you and I spent mostly off season, like talking about that, like 2019 could be a step back before a big step forward. Um, and I think that happens potentially still, no matter what happens this year. But if you get to six wins, you know, you're able to deliver on recruiting promises and things like that. Um, we haven't had a recruit in a while. Recruiting classes look overly, um, you know, amazing just yet. Uh, we have some good pieces in there though. I think that uh, one thing that reassures me maybe about Friday uh, on top of Narduzzi's comments uh, is the fact that the last time we faced Pitt, a similar-ish Pitt team on a Friday night at the Dome was uh, in 2012 and we beat them 14-13. to 13. What was A spectacularly stupid game. <laughs> the, just, yeah, like very high on the uh, dumb game rankings. Just yeah. like a really unwatchable fucking like slog of a game. <laughs> It was really the Syracuse win equivalent of the NC State game we just watched. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I remember watching it at what was then the, uh, the West Side Syracuse bar um, in L.A., Yankee Doodles, which definitely was selling Coke or something um, out of the basement. Um, that place closed <laughs> down like a few months later. So I can never go back to, uh, to commemorate Syracuse's win. But uh, or- nonetheless, yeah, SU won that game 14-13. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and 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 now I just kind of want to go up to Santa Monica, Santa Monica, and have a drink there. Yeah, it's an RIP that place that I will never have the joy of going to. <laughs> Sean Keeley has had some stories about Yankee Doodles too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so it's, I, I'm not the I'm not the only one to share this sentiment. This was definitely a prevailing opinion. I need to find that box store because uh, I just I I wasn't at that game. I don't think I had season tickets that year, but I it was a year after I graduated. Uh, it was just I just remember it being horrendous. I found all right. Uh, so first of this all, was a game. Sean's Sean's recap <laughs> used like paraphrased Elton John. This is this, this is was good. a matchup of two and three teams. Um, Perfect. This was actually it was so much like the game we just watched, but we're role reversed. Um, we ran for 120 yards, not efficiently, but we did it. Nassim threw for 180 yards and a pick. He wasn't good. Tino Sinceri had what I assume was actually a very uh, DeVito-like game where he threw for 319 yards, but no touchdowns or picks, and was like relatively accurate. Um, I feel like that was ran... every Tino Sinceri game. Yeah, they ran for nothing. They ran for 27 total yards, much like we ran for like 41 or whatever it was. Um, I How did we store? Amin Moore had a touchdown, and... Of course. <laughs> of course. Was it was this the origination of the tank package? It must have been. Uh, let me see how far out he was. I, I bet it was a yard. Um, God, the ESPN, whatever happened to the ESPN bot stores where they get like out of order is the most infuriating thing of all time. Yeah, he ran from one yard out, so I assume that was a tank package. Um, and then how else did we store? I'm so confused. <laughs> was it a pick six? I'm going to find this out. This is fantastic radio, but... <laughs> look at look at the SEO when you look up the score. Means magician second. Always always solid. I I, I find the uh, the noon's articles pretty easily when I look up old bot stores. Um, yeah, Amin Moore had one touchdown, and Sean doesn't really. Ah, uh, all right. Uh, Jeremy Wilkes stripped the ball from pit wide receiver, allowing Dijon Davis to scoop it up and run it back. What would be the game winning score? Okay, yeah, it's, we were uh, we, it's, we went we went up fourteen nothing, and then and then held on. And we wait. Oh yeah, we went up fourteen nothing in the first quarter. Yeah, and then and, and, and nothing then else. Never scored again. Oh my god! Yeah, so this was exactly the same game as we just watched. Yeah. This was the classic Maroon game for like much of the time. We were yeah, and then we turned it around like a, a, two weeks later, probably, is when we actually started playing offense. Yeah. Yeah, so again, it could happen. We just we need to return this stupid win, loss that we just had for a stupid win, and then uh, our offense will figure it out, figure itself out magically. Um, even though if the offense figures line, itself out, go for it. Even though our offensive line, I think, in 2012 was a lot, lot better than this year. But oh, our offensive line featured, like, several future NFL players. NFL players, yeah. So that was a, a major advantage that year had. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, if, if if we can just figure out something and it just – some way to mitigate the offensive line struggles and DeVito's, like, issues that I still think largely stem from that um, and just – I don't know how much more you want to simplify the offense, but you just, like, have to cut down the timing and, and the uh, the, like – higher those those slower developing plays and i think we might be able to like scrape together some, some stuff but that is easier said than done yeah I, I i keep telling myself that that we're like a couple mistakes away or i mean and really like the mental errors on on thursday were also just insufferable um as they always are but especially in this game they were because it was the least opportune time for them shout out to the multiple false starts the antoine cordy uh personal foul um among others 
but yeah, I, uh, I keep telling myself that they're going to figure these couple things out. And then like, then I'm just going to get annoyed when we're like four and three instead of five and two or like five and three instead of like six and two. Um, who knows? This is just me being hopeful. Um, but yeah, why don't we talk a little halftime, uh, beer selections after hearing from our sponsor. And we're back. We can talk some beer before we get into some uh, pit nonsense. So, uh, Dan, what have you been drinking? Uh, I actually had a pretty uh, active beer weekend. Um, I spent a, a lot of Sunday at Fool's Gold on the Lower East Side, which I know you know pretty well. Um, I, think we've, I think we've actually been there together before. Yes. Um, very good beer bar. Uh, had a an Omnipolo Hilma, which is a Swedish contract brewer, and their IPA, which is... Uh, has some lactose, has a little bit of vanilla flavor, really nice balance. Um, had a root and branch, eyes without a face, which was a, a really hazy, juicy, like classic New England IPA that was very good. Uh, I had a Timmermans uh, Uda, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but you'll hopefully see it in the comments, which is a Lambic. I couldn't tell you the last time I ordered a Lambic, but I saw it on the menu and uh, I felt like that was a thing I had to do, so I did. Um, uh, LSE Beer Project's Dream Shovel, which was a really interesting uh, double dry hop pale ale, not an IPA, um, but had like a really nice flavor profile. Uh, and then a Central Waters, which I believe is a Wisconsin brewery, uh, had their Strawberry Shop, which is a kind of milkshake-y, uh, creamy IPA with some strawberry and vanilla notes, but uh, not overwhelming um, and really good as well. So a nice mix of things this weekend. Nice. Uh, I was down in Raleigh, as mentioned, so I had a bunch of different new things. I uh, finally got to check out uh, Brewery Vivana uh, in downtown Raleigh. Highly recommended. Uh, if you haven't had any of their beers, they're really good. Um, had their uh, Plow Pale Ale and their Vienna Lager. Um, they also have amazing food. Um, I had a blast there. was there for like a couple hours. Uh, I just kind of parked it um, and just engorged myself on uh, Chinese food and some other things. So. Highly recommend that place. Um, if you go, you should get a reservation because it's a pretty hot spot. Um, had from uh, Sycamore Brewing, uh, Mountain Candy IPA that was really good. It actually got better as you drank it. Um, I had, I did try an Old Tuffy. So if you want to blame the loss on anything, blame it on the disloyalty. Um, I know Syracuse has had like some beers in the past, but this one seems like yes, you should just do something like this. It's basically just like you know a, a glorified Budweiser. Um, it's from New, New Belgium, so it's actually good. But, you know, SU could definitely do something like this with Happy Auto on it, and it would sell quite a bit in central New York. Uh, went over to Durham on Friday and checked out uh, Tony Soros Brewing. Had their Czech Pilsner as well as their IPA. They were both very good. Um, I went to State of Beer in Raleigh and had a table banger from Hot Fly um, and a flying saucer. I had Body Electric from Wise Man Brewing. I mentioned Wise Man as the uh, Wake Forest pick um, for like my annual uh, beer rankings off-season article. And a bunch of people were yelling at me about Foothills. We talk about Foothills all the time. Um, I'm sorry, Foothill. Is it Foothill? I forgot if it's plural or not. I think it's Foothill. I don't know anyway, if plural or not. Uh, yeah. In any, everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, Wise Man by Electric was super good. I'm not a big uh, hazy IPA fan, but I really like this one. Um, and then closed out my time with a staple that I always have when I'm in North Carolina, uh, Foothills, it is Foothills, uh, Jade IPA. So yeah, that was my, that was my whirlwind tour of, uh, of North Carolina beer. Didn't get to all the spots I wanted to drinking wise, but got to a bunch of them. So I was really glad to, to do that. 
Yeah, it's a good drinking state for sure. Uh, I haven't been to North Carolina. I haven't spent really time in North Carolina in like a, a year, but it's uh, anytime you can go down there and drink the local stuff, it's uh, it's a good time. Yeah, they uh, they do a great job. So I'd highly recommend Raleigh. It's a fast growing city. Also went to Wegmans, and uh, and I, I was not disappointed at uh, Danny's favorite, and it was just as good as I remembered. Uh, and it was like, honestly, like there was like a line of cars to get in. Like it was absolutely packed. And this was at like 12 p.m. on a Friday. Was it a was it a newer Wegmans? Does that uh, seems to be happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was like the, the Raleigh Wegmans opened like two weeks ago. OK, yeah. I think that's one I remember seeing like people were like waiting outside for it to open. I'm like, it is a grocery store, guys. <laughs> like I love okay. Wegmans, but it's a grocery store. No, people, people, people did not care that it was a grocery store. They were, they were, they were in there for the experience. I mean, people look like they were in there for like hours. I appreciate that. I, I, I appreciate how quickly the ACC country has folded uh, the Wegmans experience into itself. Because uh, I don't think you have that same, even like Publix. Like anytime I'm down south, like Publix is great. Publix isn't having like car lines, um, and no. and food line don't even bring up. Like, what is that nonsense? It's crap. But yeah, I uh, I, mean, I know I mentioned this in the article. Like the uh, the the big thing for me was the uh, was the Wegman sponsorship uh, mid game on the video board, which I found just to be a like uh, a, a big fu to to the ACC, <laughs> which I'll take, especially after that game. This is how we we take over the conference from the inside. Yeah, before you know it, a White Castle is going to open in uh, in Raleigh, and then and then all bets are off. As soon as they get a dinosaur in like Charlotte, it's it's game over. <laughs> the the, the they teeth would actually riot down there. <laughs> the, the, the teeth gnashing. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about that before I said it, and then I realized like how angry they would be just by the notion. I'm Even a dinosaur would be like perfectly fine there. Um, oh god, it, it's also if they didn't sell, if they didn't have like vinegar based uh, barbecue sauce. Oh. And they'd be so angry. Dude, I, I'm begging for it now. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I would be, le- I'd be more inclined, except for like the Chicago one didn't work out. So like, there, there is, there have been failures on the, and I, I want Dino to stay healthy and strong and and alive. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, speaking of things we don't want healthy and strong and alive, Pitt Panthers. Um, Pitt Panthers coach Pat Narduzzi did not want Scott Schaefer healthy and strong and alive um, at one juncture. When he decided to give a man alert to Kiwis, uh, Kiwi. I totally forgot about that. What a ridiculous. The sadistic. I mean, I mean, listen, I'm not a Scott Schaefer fan, but like, what a goddamn animal. No, no, I just want him to die. Like... Yeah, exactly. Like, like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, Ugh. Horrifying human beings. Uh, yeah, Pitt's, uh, Pitt's four and two, as mentioned. They won three straight. They looked like, I think like most pit seasons, they looked like crap initially. And then suddenly they didn't. I mean, and... they looked like crap in Delaware and they no, were in the middle of a three-game winning streak. No, I, I was getting to that. They looked like crap initially. And then they didn't. And then they did. And then they also did this, did and didn't against Duke too. So I really don't know like what this team is once again. And, you know, Syracuse team seems to be like the the the, uh, the delineation point between like a good and a bad pit season. Where like if they lose to us, then like it's all downhill from there. And if they beat us, um, then yeah, they're going to a bowl game that seems above their station and maybe more, um, as as evidenced by what happened last year. 
Yeah, like I don't want to write off like a win over UCF because that was like they played really well and they 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 pulled it out. Um, the Duke win, like what's it on paper, but it was a total mess of a game. Delaware, they barely won. Uh, they got crushed by UVA. The Penn State game, I feel like, was like more definitive than the score, but they, you know, they only lost by a touchdown, so you give them that. So like, hung around in that one. Yeah, so like all these games have been games, um, which you know maybe that that helps them. They they've they've obviously learned how to pull out a game here, but then I look statistically and they're just not impressive. Like their offense numbers wise looks a lot like our offense numbers wise. Devito actually has better numbers pretty roundly than Kenny Pickett does. Um, definitely, he's more touchdowns. Uh, he's throwing for more yards um running like we don't run the ball well but neither do they they're averaging 3.4 carry um they only have four touchdowns on the ground um surprising it's kind of their bread and butter right it's it, like they have some decent receiving like tastier and max having a very nice year um uh, maurice uh, french with two f's uh, is having a nice year so like i think there's a little bit more uh they're getting a little bit more out of their wide receivers than we are but like overall, like nothing, nothing here streams team that just beat like what we think is a good Duke team and also number fifteen UCF. Um, I am stared uh, by their uh, defensive line, which is you know a pretty consistently decent thing for them. Um, they have five players with over three and a half sacks uh, coming from all over the defense, uh, so that does scare me. Uh, I think we will see them try to bring really, really heavy pressure, as we know every team will now because the, the mo is out. Um, so yeah, I, I think there, there's like, our, I think our defense should match up pretty well with them, but I, I'm just terrified we're in for a very NC state like game. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Pickett's probably better than, uh, Hawk and Bailey, but at the same time, like there's, yeah, the, the, the run game is worse somehow. And again, I thought that was like their MO, uh, coming into the year. They just have a lot of game. They just have a lot of. Like they've gained yards, sure, but yeah, three point four four yards per carry. Uh, nobody's averaging. Well, nobody with any real carries has averaged more than four point three eight. That would be AJ Davis. Um, there's just not a whole lot to like, and there's not a lot of consistency. I feel like this was the case last year when these two teams played, um, but SU was coming in. I feel like with a lot more momentum potentially. Um, it's weird. I, I think that if we can, I think if we can get at least one of the injured players back, and like Andre Cisco dressed last week so i feel like i don't know why he dressed and then didn't play given how the game came down to less than a score but uh, also like considering some of the like near interceptions uh especially the the early one um that was eric coley not making a play on the ball i, I honestly like there's a very good chance that if Andre sisto plays and is like near 100 percent, we win that game yeah i totally buy that i again i don't really understand why he was um you know not on the field if he dressed um Cordy can like Cordy's done well enough as a five, eight safety who's playing cornerback uh, at the same time, I'd rather have him not playing cornerback. So if we can get, uh, you know, a 50 Melifon went back too, that'd be awesome. Cause really like, I, I think, I think those two can help make up for the absence of McKinley Williams. I think McKinley Williams can help make up the, up for the absence of the two of them. But th- th- there's definitely there's definitely something to be said for what this SU defense in particular looks like if we just get one of the injured guys back. And I think Cisco would be that guy. Seems like he's the closest to getting back to the field. Um, they get an extra day to maybe get somebody else back um, in action, considering there are eight days in between the Thursday night game and this Friday night game. Uh, I don't again, like like you said, I don't necessarily 
I'm not overly impressed by what Pitts put out there. Um, but I'm, since I haven't been overly impressed by what Syracuse has put out there, um, this is going to be yet another battle of just like who makes fewer mistakes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very glad that we get them back at home. Uh, we tend to, aside from the Sensi State game, we tend to play well during the week uh, when we've had these Thursday and Friday night games. So I don't know how much that actually means, but obviously there's a history with this Baber staff of playing well there. Um, I won't be able to watch the game live. The last time that happened was the Clemson win. So maybe that's good omen. Um, yeah, so it's uh, actually I did watch the Clemson game live. It just it was in a really stupid place. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it, it's just hard to it's hard to get a beat on because Pitt has had such strange results based on like what they've looked like. Um, but you don't want to totally discredit them because those results have been better than ours largely. So like even though like we played our FCS a lot harder than they did and we played our MAC team a lot better than they did, like they've you know they have the extra win and they have the win over the ranked team. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're primed for another really dumb one. I, I, I don't expect anything except for like a game that's going to make us want to pull out our hair. Yeah, like even this pass, like pass, like I think the they're going to be able to rush the passer. Obviously, pass defense numbers are just weird. Um, they they played really well against uh, was it Quentin Harris or Anthony Harris? It's Quentin Harris. Oh, great. Duke. It is Quentin Harris. Anthony Harris is another quarterback somewhere. Um, yeah, Quentin Harris went 1845, 165 yards, one touchdown, three picks um, against Delaware. Uh, obviously, like they held Delaware to just 127 through the air, but two touchdowns. Uh, UCF, 338 yards on 60%, so much better. Penn State, not that great. Um, Ohio, not okay from a completion percentage standpoint. Uh, Virginia did pretty much whatever they wanted. So there's there's a lot of hot and cold. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what again. Hard to tell exactly what to expect here. Um, I I just don't really know what to think about this game because this is I, I have the, the 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 dread is all back at this point. So so I think I'm going to end up picking uh, Pitt to to pull the upset. But like I, it wouldn't surprise me in the least, obviously, if Syracuse managed to like figure some things out here and and, and pull out a big win. Yeah, I think it's a it's a coin flip. Um, I think we're actually a slight underdog. I think we're like a, a field goal underdog, which feels about right given how things have gone. Um, oh yeah, F, FPI actually likes us very slightly, fifty one point one percent. I didn't see. I don't think Bill C's put out his uh, individual game SP plus predictions yet. Uh, I expect Pitt will be ahead there because they are fifty third and we are sixty sixth. We actually didn't slip very much in the NC State from the NC State game at all. I think we were dropped like a spot maybe. Um, which obviously wins don't really matter, like for how that works. But um, yeah, I, I if we're just not doing our predictions, I, I kind of lean towards Pitt. Uh, just I, I just feel like they they've just been more uh, able to pull out these games where we really haven't shown yet that we can pull out a game that's in like real doubt. Um, they obviously haven't done. I, I don't expect the Terrier Dome to be a fantastic environment on Friday night. Unfortunately, I think their fan base. I mean, I'll be very impressed and and, ha- and hope they they all show out because like 40,000 people have access to tickets uh, based on our sales this year. But um, I expect like a pretty iffy. Yeah. I expect a very iffy uh, attendance. It'll get announced at like 42,000 is all of our games will this year, but um, I don't expect very many people there. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick pit just unfortunately. Um, I'll go like 21, 17. 
Yeah, I'm I'm going 27-23. Pitt gets the win. I think SU still is another uneven game. Um, They look a little bit better in certain spots, a little bit worse in others. Uh, I think think ultimately, like, whether the offense is good or not is is almost irrelevant Um, on Pitt's side. I just feel like Kenny Pickett's more comfortable in it. Uh, And I think that they're going to be able to run the ball better against us than they have against other teams. And that's going to be enough while DeVito continues to like kind of struggle to get settled. And he got hit so much last week that whatever's bugging him, whether it's a collarbone or a shoulder or a chest injury or whatever it is, um, I'm sure it wasn't helped by, by the amount of times that he was teed off on last week. So I, uh, I'm going to begrudgingly pit, pick pit, but, but I, I'm not at all happy about it. No. And I'm not like certain we'll lose by any stretch, but uh, you know, you're coming off of coming off of this game, it's just tough to, be super optimistic. Um, and I think Pitts just looked a little more resilient and a little more like, even if they are mediocre, they're like pretty sure of their mediocre mediocrity and are kind of like, I think they've done better at leaning into the things that have worked. Um, and they just kind of know how to win. And I think like, that's like a dumb, like kind of sports fan thing, but I do think there's something to it. Like you, you, when a team is experienced, like winning at a pretty you know decent level, like there, there is some, some confidence that that breeds. So uh, yeah, don't feel great about making that pick, but because I, I just I haven't thought Pitts I, I haven't thought Pitts good at any real point in like the last however many years maybe since that like that yeah, James yeah. Conner team that scored a bunch of points that was a decent team but like yeah, was it like 2012 team was pretty good 2012 was decent but then uh no not 2012 that was the team we beat 20 uh was so it 2014 2010 well, well the, there was the, the one team that, that almost beat Cincinnati the team that beat Penn State I think was the one I'm thinking of. That first year oh, the yeah. rivalry was back. Oh yeah, um, that, I I could see that. That was a decent team. Yeah, there, there's been a couple like like last year's like, you know, 2016. Oh yeah, yeah, that team was. That team was solid. Was that the? Was that the Mac Canada team? Uh, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, 2016 was the Mac Canada team. That team could actually put up points and was like fun to watch. Yeah, I mean they had a, they had a, they had what uh, I think they had they had Connor they had uh, who was the wide receiver on that team that was really good uh, was it Boyd I think Boyd was on that team um, yes yeah so they had Boyd they had Connor uh, they had a couple other NFL players um, they only went eight and five uh, because it's it and is the ACC it's, Coastal. It's... Um, but like I thought that was that was like the last team that Pitt that like actually impressed me to yeah, they had Nate, yeah they, they they had you know future NFL starter Nate Peterman. Uh, yes, Nate Peterman. That was the seventy six to sixty one year. So like yeah, like Kyrie Olson was on this team. They, yeah. Marcus the Maurice French was on this team, but he didn't really like contribute as much. But mm. there were plenty. Of, yeah, like Jordan Whitehead's on this team. Like there were there were Avante Maddox too was really good. Like there's there's a lot of decent players on, on that team, and I would say that team was another one that just like was kind of Syracuse-ish or maybe Pitt-ish at this point, like just slow to get rolling. Yeah. It's like they beat Penn State and then they lost a couple games that like were kind of inexplicable and then they like kind of figured it out from there. Yeah. And the cons- less consistently like legit team was... Big like, East. The, yes, the, yeah, the 2009 Big East squad that went 10-3. and Yeah, that was a good team. Uh but yeah, like they're they're very few and far between, like legit good pit teams. There's a, but they they don't have very 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 many bad ones. They're just like, I would love to get to a level where our worst teams were like Pitt's worst teams. 
uh, unfortunately. Like, <laughs> I wish that was the case. Um, I think our ceiling, like, I mean, our team last year, I think, was better than any pit team in a while. But, like, they're just, I think part of it's recruiting base and, like, some other things they have to sell. But it's just, like, they never get that much worse than, like, full eligibility, where obviously yeah. we are terrified now that we're under three and nine. So um, I would like to not have that be the case. Yeah, I agree. I just think there's, you know, this is kind of what we've been talking about. Like, this is what you're striving for. It doesn't happen in one year where, where you're raising both the ceiling and the floor. Like, you know, Dino's still in the process of raising the floor. He raised the ceiling at the same time. And now everyone thinks that the ceiling is the roof type deal. And that's not really how it works. <laughs> like, that, we're, really, we're really selling the ACC brand with all of Oh, I know. All of this. I, I, I knew it as I said it. And I did it on purpose just to, to fuel the conspiracy theories about me as a Tar Heel sleeper cell. Um, in any case, yeah, there's a, there's this idea that, you know, like once we go 10 and three, we're, we're always going to go 10 and three. And that's not necessarily true. Um, you know, it, everything kind of breaks down for everybody eventually. I, I think that, you know, if, if Dino can get us to six and six and tell us that a bad year can still end in six and six, I think should inspire a lot more faith amongst this fan base. I just don't think it's actually going to um, because I think the fan base has already shown itself to be like very, very fickle about this season. Uh, I don't love it. I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to make an overarching point because I feel like there's plenty of fans that aren't fickle, but uh, from what I saw at the game, from what I'm seeing online, it, it does seem like everybody's, uh, everybody's definitely like fading this team hard and I'm not, I'm not loving the, 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 I'm not loving that dynamic six games in at three and three. Yeah. It's like, I get being disappointed. Like I think both of us are disappointed. We neither of us enjoyed that game on Thursday, but we have been cautioning, especially after the Maryland game, like this might just take a big dip, like, and it might, you know, hopefully it doesn't last, but it it could just be a year where we have to like kind of regroup. Um, That happens pretty often in college football when teams that don't have like 10 win seasons all the time have one. Uh, There is often like a re a recalibrating coming. Um, that being said, like to jump off, it's, I don't even think it should be a bandwagon at this point. Like, I think you can totally call in question, like in game stuff with Babers. I think he's there. There have been games that have not been well called. I think you can totally criticize him. That's very fair. Um, to say like he's not the guy or last year was a, a fluke, I think is at, kind of outrageous. Um, considering like there were, we saw the building blocks to last year, it wasn't like it just happened out of nowhere. We hadn't had any big wins year two, two years prior. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, like, if anything, like, uh, uh, Babers is coaching a bit like a guy who has in no worry of his job, nor should he be. Um, but, like, I, I think I've seen more criticism, criticism, like, overarching criticism of him than is necessary, considering, like, I don't know, there, there's just, he's so clearly uh, done a great job here overall. And, like, even if there are some, like, games that you don't love, that's fine. But, like, there's just, he's not going anywhere for a while. Um, and if he does, it's not a good thing for us. So uh, hopefully we start to have some results that kind of like win some of those people back because we do need those people in the stands. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I struggle to think why people like automatically thought, I know we were both very optimistic coming into the year, but like there was never any, like if we don't win nine games, like everything's falling apart. Like that just can't possibly be the mindset at this point in this program. Yeah, I agree. I know it's kind of something we're like rehashing every week, but you know, while we were predicted nine and three, we said seven and five was a real possibility. Six and six was something that could happen. Like we're right there, but at the same time, like, I mean, this team mathematically could finish nine and three. I don't think they're going to do it, 
but they could. Uh, they could still finish eight, four, seven, five. And like, there's going to be a bunch of fans that are really pissed off about a seven to five season here. And like, I'm not going to be one of them. I'm going to be a fan that's happy that we're back in a bowl that sees, you know, us, us staying bowl eligible and, and, and providing that consistency that I bet a lot of blue chip type recruits are looking for from us. It's going to take a little bit more to get those like high four stars, but as far as those like, you know, fringe, like high three, low four guys, like that, that are just waiting on us to kind of turn a corner. Like, you know, finishing seven and five this year, isn't the worst sign for them. Um, and it tells you that this team is, is, is both ready to, you know, be more serious about college football on a consistent basis and also has opportunities for, 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 you know, very good young players to step in right away. I think that's something that, that, you know, SU needs to, is, is going to have to continue to, um, you know, sell kids because of just you know, the nature of the program. And that's fine. And, and again, we're not a blue blood where we're unlikely to be one um, based on the current dynamics of college football, but, you know, we could still be a fun team that, you know, wins somewhere between six and eight games, uh, most years and occasionally like jumps up to win a few more. Yeah. I mean, if we finish seven and five at this point, considering how things have started, like obviously it's not out of the realm, like you just go four and two and you're there. But if we were to finish seven and five, I think that would probably mean that we got a lot better at in areas that we've struggled with so far. And I would be very happy with that. Completely agree. Uh, I think it's a good way to, to end us off on a nice positive note there, Dan. So appreciate you as always for joining. Yes. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully we have the stupid game in our favor like that 2012 pit game that we touched on for a bit here and we win 14 to 13 and it looks really bad, but it's still a win. Fingers crossed, man. Uh, or or, or something better I'm... than that, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Or, or, or just a 50 to 13 win. That's fine. too. I, I'd be fine with that, uh, I guess too. Literally anything that doesn't have me taking gears off my life uh, would be perfect. Uh, <laughs> In any case, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk. Uh, not Blog Talk. We use Megaphone now. Um, Spotify, maybe? Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, um, Overcast, a bunch of other places. Um, so, yeah, do all that and uh, go orange. Go orange. <laughs>